You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. In this episode of ayahuascapodcast.com, we talk to Simon Tennant. We touch upon subjects of masculinity and femininity during the retreat, uh, the balance of that. We talk about uh, collective unconscious. We talk about archetypes in the group and uh, Simon's experience as a psychotherapist uh, working with the victims. What effect can psychedelics have on therapy world and so much more. I'm sure you will enjoy this podcast. Hi guys, uh, you're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, host Sam Believe, the founder of the podcast and of La Ayahuasca Retreat. Today we're joined by Simon. Simon has uh, just spent... um, 18 days here with us at Lawira and had a very interesting experience. Simon is a uh, psychiatrist, psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. Yeah. He is uh, a tango dancer, horse rider. Uh, he's so many things. Uh, he's one of those, uh, the most interesting people you've ever met kind of guy. <laughs> so uh, I'm uh, Simon, welcome to the podcast. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Sam. So, uh, first of all, Simon, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you end up uh, finding about ayahuasca? Uh, So, I am someone that's always been a seeker of of knowledge and uh, and always, I think from an early age, I saw my mother helping people and uh, it's just something I wanted to do. And so in my early 20s, I switched from, from IT into health and it's just been a, a you know an adult long journey with uh, with working with health from you know natural medicines and kinesiology to um, to counseling and psychotherapy and I think when I was a homeopath I realized that the challenge that I had in, in, in my life and I saw in my clients life was the relationship they had with themselves and with others and so that really Maybe want to understand the psyche more, and so I went into psychotherapy. Uh, and doing my training, there was a transpersonal, a psychospiritual psychology, so very much held transpersonal and spiritual realms. And in doing that, I started to read or Stan Groff's work on uh, the way of the psychonaut, and that got me super interested in how psychedelic uh, assisted therapies could really. Uh, been an agent of transformative change in people's lives, and uh, and I just I'd never done psychedelics in in my life, and then one day I just woke up and was like, I've got to do ayahuasca. So I contacted you. We exchanged about three lines of of uh, of text through an email, and I was sold. <laughs> I just uh, had a real a real pull. I'm very short in my replies, uh, but somehow still it was enough. Uh, why did you decide to do it in Colombia? Again, I'm I'm not sure. I just came across your site, and there was a price point, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which I really appreciated because coming from New Zealand, it, it, it's a it's a way to get here. There was just there was something in the um, just the way you wrote the reply. It just felt yeah. I just let my intuition do the. Uh, do the choosing for me. Nice. Uh, I'm glad you came. Uh, me too. 
So you said you were going to write a paper on uh, change states of consciousness yeah. or get an education in that direction? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at uh, starting a PhD, a master's PhD program in September on, it was in non-ordinary states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, and what is it about these non-ordinary states, whether it's through, um, through holotropic breathwork or psychedelics or tantric uh, work that is kind of an agent for transformative change that these altered states or non-ordinary states, which we might even say are possibly normal states that we've just disconnected from, create this deep-seated change that someone can come to ayahuasca for a week and be like it's five years of therapy or ten years. And that just has always fascinated me. So after your own experience now with uh, psychedelics, maybe there, did you learn something new? Are you more inspired about the topic or less? I think my smile says it all. Uh, my time here I, um, at Lawara has been exquisitely profound. It's um, had beauty and pain and the secrets of the cosmos um, unveiled as well as deep connection with with new people. I've I've met people here who have been in the ceremonies with for, for 18 days and I feel more connected to them than maybe some people that have been in my life for 30 years. So the experience has been profound, it's been humbling to have your ego dissolved in front of your eyes and be humbled and at the mercy of the medicine working through you and, and the music and just the caring of, of your staff, of your volunteers, of yourself, of, of Taita Fernando. It's an incredibly full and life-changing experience. Yeah. Uh, through the word circles that we shared, just for those who are listening, uh, don't get intimidated. 18 days doesn't mean 18 ceremonies. It's actually just 10 ceremonies. Uh, so we, we shared some time together. Mm -hmm. And um, I recall you describing couple experiences. I think it was one of the first day ceremonies that uh, was very profound. And... Uh, I think I can recall one more, maybe another day ceremony. Day ceremony seems to be your, your favorite thing. Wow. So can, can you pretend we're in a word circle now and mm. tell that story again, if, it, if you can still recall it? Yeah, what I'm grateful for is that the, both of those day ceremony experiences are incredibly vivid and still really alive, and I'm still in the process of yesterday's ceremony. So uh, if I can do my best to put what is experiential uh, into words. My consciousness went from a particle experience of being in this body to being in multiple spaces at the same time and being super conscious to a lot of experience happening on. So at one stage I was inside uh, Taita Fernando's flute being breathed. I was also the inside of the drum being beaten at the same time as well as like the networks of relationships that form the fabric of reality forming in front of me being inside it but also seeing it from a distance at the same time I almost felt like creation was using my body to experience and know itself more more intimately it was incredibly profound the hope that you can see in my eyes <laughs> 
uh, that the words are difficult for me to find because it was just, it was so huge. And to then just have this profound clarity of different philosophical views of the ages, whether it was Buddhism or Neo-Confucianism or Taoism, kind of come together in these synergistic spaces and and see them from the inside and the outside as, as incredibly profound and, and life-changing. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the problem with uh, psychedelic experiences. They are so profound that the words just don't do it justice, no matter how eloquent you are. And trust me, this is one of the most eloquent people I've uh, been in the presence of. Like, you would daily use words I've never heard before, <laughs> which is a um, compliment to you and not, <laughs> not to me. Uh, but it's uh, words is not enough. What you described kind of made me recall this, you know, mo- movie Lucy, where this uh, this lady she consumes some kind of blue thing and she goes from using ten percent of her brain to using hundred percent, and it's kind of like I, I know this is not a correct thing. Apparently, it's not like we're not using hundred percent of our brain. We are. It's just not. But it does uh, feel like your consciousness went to like super consciousness mode where you could be so much more conscious, meaning you could experience more at the same amount of time, which is fascinating. So I don't know, maybe you have a theory behind it. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated too because in the word circle, people were reflecting back to me that they felt me also in their experiences and their journeys. So that feel, um, that field experience of consciousness when we go from body to the field allows our consciousness to be in these multiple states at, at, at one time uh, but also no, feeling inner peace and like a solidness and centeredness um, is what I noticed so it was while it was an incredibly full experience it was also incredibly peaceful uh, look there's Lots of different philosophies that would try to bring understanding to that. Uh, but one of the ways I look at it is fundamentally where networks of relationships, if we were to take a, a camera and go inside an electron, we wouldn't video anything. It's a, a condensation of energy that has spin. And um, and these, as Fitchroff Capra would, would say in his book, um, Systems View of Life, this... Um, network of relationships is kind of like this fundamental fabric of reality and and depending on your magnification um, it would be like a cartoonist scribbling um, and when you zoom back he's drawn a person's face but when you zoom right in there's these kind of scribbled fractals um, you don't see the face you see um, the intricacies of how that face is made up I hope that bring some light to that. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a difficult um, difficult thing to express and put into words. I'm, I'm still finding the words myself. You describe like interpersonal relationships and obviously there is a group dynamic that happens during the retreat when it becomes obvious that we are pretty much connected and there is uh, processes that sometimes are being experienced by several people at the same time. You mentioned something about uh, Carl Jung and his, um, uh, what's the unconscious? Oh, um, um, yeah, unconscious process. And no, like group, group unconscious or collective, collective unconscious? Yeah. 
So yeah. what have you observed about that? Like, or maybe you have some, some smart words about the topic. <laughs> uh, I really like Jung. I, I, I love the way in which he was a real, uh, a real avatar in, in searching new lands. And I think one of the things I said there is that when we, when we don't take up the invitation to journey into the underworld of our inner world, then all that's unresolved in there and it's like a heroic journey to go into that underworld and that heroic journey is, is in so many of our different cultural um, motifs and, and myths from Greeks to Aztecs to, to wherever you want to look. When we don't take up that opportunity, that gets projected to the outer world and our outer world becomes an, an, an underworld and then we live in the projections of others' underworlds and that's what we live in today is this underworld of unresolved trauma, of isolation, of fear, um, and it's incredibly restricting to people. But in the, in the, in the group dynamic, what we notice is that um, in the sharing circles, when people allow themselves to be seen, and they allow themselves to be vulnerable, and that's held in a loving and kind space by, um, by the team, yourself, and by the rest of us, we allow ourselves to be found in the world. We allow that vulnerability that's inherently there and something we've locked away for so long because it's usually the, the place in which we got, um, we got hurt in the first place. But when that's allowed to be seen, that's, that's courage. And courage cur to heart is to, you know, courage is to stand in the face of difficulty with heart. And that's what happens in these word circles. And so this collective experience comes comes alive in which people are being seen and being felt uh, and there's a group energy and you would have felt that too that really arises in that space where vulnerability is really present yeah the the vulnerability is the secret missing ingredient i believe in our society today because it's only it's only when both sides are vulnerable the real connection can take place and i think this is what the culture we try and create here at Lawira and also the medicine aids in that, that eventually the masks fall off mm -hmm. and two real people can then start to interact and have a beautiful healing journey together because people can heal people, but there needs to be a connection. Mm -hmm. So you, you heal people, you work with people, you work mm -hmm. with uh, sexual abuse victims, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, as a psychotherapist. Uh, would you bring them to ayahuasca? I actually have been philosophizing and doing some pondering on sexual trauma and how I feel like ayahuasca of any of the plant-based medicines I've had a look into, not that I've experienced, I want to make that very clear, I've only ever experienced ayahuasca, is that sexual abuse is forced upon people. It's forced in and and onto the body, um, and with force and with violence. And there is something about the embodied felt experience of ayahuasca, like ayahuasca is not just a pretty colors and pretty pictures experience, it's a profoundly embodying felt experience. And I, I, I hope that you can feel what I'm saying by this, that it, it's, for me, it was very embodied. And so because it's embodied, Ayahuasca, through its purgative experience, through 
through vomiting or through through pooing, uh, through bottom evacuating, has a lot of force in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I can speak to experience with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that force almost matches the force that the trauma was taken into the body, and the f- the force of ayahuasca allows it to be forced out of the body. Trauma is stored fragmentally in the body, and so no amount of just talking about it is going to get out. There's a there's no free lunch with it, is what I like to say. It, it needs to be felt, and I, I feel that ayahuasca provides a wonderful container and method for that trauma to come out. And because what you do here at La Waira, um with the, the word circles, the community that's here with Taita Fernando, the music, there's a beautiful coming together of the feminine and the masculine, mm-hmm. the feminine of ayahuasca, the opening and the depth of the feminine, um, the nurturing, but also um, uh, the holding. And then you've got this kind of gentle penetrative energy of the masculine coming in and and almost infusing that in more with the music and I feel that that for sexual trauma is also incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, in our previous podcast, um, uh, you met Ashley. She talks about her trauma with men and how here at this space because she could see so many men being vulnerable and she could also feel being healed by men, it really helped her to overcome or at least progress with that trauma and feel better mm-hmm. uh, about uh, men in general. Um, a tricky question, you know, as a psychotherapist and um, a lot of psychotherapists, they, they spend years and years working with people trying to get some results Um, and sometimes it's not really that effective. Uh, On the one side I can see some psychotherapists getting very excited about uh, that they can finally speed up the process or finally see the you know the visible Mm -hmm. change. Get this dopamine boost like here I am and here's this person here's him before and after kind of like we get here it's a really quick result. But I'm sure there are some that are questioning it and they think like, what if I, this is 10 years of a, Mm. you know, money being made, what if I can do it in one week, uh, all of a sudden, like as a psychotherapist, are you worried (laughs) that maybe psychedelics will steal your job? Look, if I wanted to make money, I would have stayed in IT. my job as a psychotherapist and I, I hope I speak for a few of them out there and I, I can imagine I am that it's a, it's more of a calling to be of service um, to provide a space where we can help those that are really struggling in the world our brothers and sisters and you know on a side note here um, what I love about Buddhism is they speak about everyone being a brother or sister because in a past life maybe they were and what you feel here at Lawada through the process is that we're all brothers and sisters here. So getting back to the, the psychotherapy, if we can't do all in our power to use this beautiful medicine or medicines to help open up these portals of healing, then we are not being psychotherapists. Uh, I think it's incredibly, I feel deeply into my bones that it's, um, so 
so exciting, ayahuasca, psilocybin, NDMA, these therapies to help unlock what takes years to do in therapy. Dick Schwartz, who is the founder of um, uh, Internal Family Systems, talks about psychedelics being able to create a discourse between the exiled, traumatized part and the soul. It takes the managerial parts, the ego, away. And you don't have to look at people like Basil van der Koek, Dick Schwartz, um, Gabor Mate, these world leaders in their fields in, in psychology, really being huge advocates for psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. So when leaders in the field are talking about this too, then then we all mm. need to be. The names you just mentioned, they are on my dream list to interview for this podcast. So if you're listening, reach out. Gabor Mate, I'm a big fan. Uh, Me too. <laughs> is a Body Keeps the Score. I recommend this book to any woman that ever mentions uh, physical abuse yeah. and men and as me. well. So, yeah, as they say, if you can't beat them, join them. So if you are a psychotherapist listening to that and you are maybe part of you worried about the future job uh, scenario, yeah, start learning about psychedelics because what I believe will happen it's kind of like, you know, when they invent a new technology like a weaving machine and all of a sudden you need less weavers, but you need more machine operators and then you make more money and make more sweaters. So <laughs> it's it's the same way uh, right now. How, what's the percentage of people do you think that are actually taking therapy? That's really hard to say. Um, in New Zealand, I predominantly work with ACC um, claims, so I know there's about six months to a year wait to get into a, a ACC um, registered therapist or counsellor. Uh, we know that mental health difficulties are epidemic. We only need to look at the amount, especially in the States, of how many are on SSRIs or antidepressants and psychotropic medication. Um, so. Um, there's not enough therapists to go around. Um, mm -hmm. There's a shortage. The thing is that where I see psychotherapists being of real value in the psychedelic assisted therapies is the integration part. Like we have these profound transformative experiences, and um, the music and the sham and the taita they hold that beautifully. But when you have these transcendent, these really full, full spaces, it's like how do we descend? How do we take the transcendent experience and descend it and ground it in the body? And that's where um, psychotherapists, I feel, could be of super help is of that, that integration being really part of helping with the dreams analysis, with the imagery, with the, the feelings that are risen and how to make meaning of all that and, and you know, use it to create purpose and meaning and values in, in one's life. So I, I feel like we've got a, a super important job. It's just it changes a bit. We're not the primary agent of the change. Mm -hmm. And in the relationships, like in psychotherapy, the relationship, the us being able to feel into the, you know, if, if you were a client of mine, me sitting in your sand particles and them landing on my body and, and feeling into what does it feel like to, to feel into Sam and, and, and notice what, comes arise in me and be alive to the unconscious process. Psychedelics just allows us to do that a lot quicker, <laughs> a mm -hmm. lot quicker. Um, but the relational component's still important, but we're also getting that in the group component 
But with the intimacy of, of psychotherapy, um, we can just enhance the process. That's how I see it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm uh, completely not against psychotherapy. I think it's an awesome tool. And I believe um, if, if, let's say, psychotherapy is like digging a trench, then adding ayahuasca to it, it's like you just got yourself an excavator. So it's like, but you still need somebody to, to do the work. And it's like, we try our best to help people integrate, but um, I'm not a professional in, 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 this, in this field. Um, some of our volunteers know more about that, so we, we have created a, a vessel, and a container. I'm looking forward to you coming in, joining us as an integration coach. I would love maybe that. Maybe in the future, because uh, that's on my plan to have one person in a team like that. But if you are doing psychotherapy, so you know I like my analogies. I live in analogies. So the way I see mental work or um, inner work mm. is uh, like um, digging a tunnel. Uh, psychotherapy is like having a... Um, a pickaxe yep. and you go at it and you're slowly going in and you're doing the progress but it's very slow mm -hmm. but it's it's organized because you can make a very organized tunnel yeah. psychedelics is like dynamite so if you put some dynamite your progress will be so much quicker but you the integration is taking the rubble and cleaning it out because if you just keep blowing a piece of dynamite after another it's just mess it's just dust yeah, so mm -hmm. I believe this is there's this beautiful balance that will be established mm -hmm. eventually where not only psychotherapists and psychologists and psychiatrists will be able to um, do their work better, mm -hmm. but because people will get results quicker, then it will spread more. So the, the reason I ask you about how many people you think have um, done therapy is because I assume it's a very small amount. It is a very small Maybe amount. Maybe 5 to 10% of population, if we're lucky. I would say those would be really um, overestimates. So yeah, yeah probably be 5%. So let's say hypothetically it's 5%, but how many people need it? We know 30% of people in the West are on, on some medications, mm -hmm. which means at least 30. But if we're really honest, and we don't talk about pathologies and like really bad cases, and we talk about just general well-being, mm. maybe more than half of people, if not everyone, would need it, at least some kind of realignment. So if, if the psychedelics would come into that space, make the professionals more effective, then I believe what would happen is then their friends would be like, yeah, I'll give it a try, because it's, it's no longer committing for 10 years of therapy mm. Of with little result to now being it's gonna be one month and I know that I'll be just like my friend I'll be so much happier so I'm very excited about bringing more psychotherapists in the field and hopefully even having some of them join join our team we do have a counselor on the team he does uh, remote integration coaching yeah. and it, it helps a lot of people who want to go deeper mm. and um, but if we could have somebody in, in the presence, just like I noticed you did a little session there. Yeah. Nobody asked you to, but it's it's great because obviously it, it comes up naturally. So, yeah, I'm excited about the emergence of these two fields as soon as we can let go of those um, um, 
how would you say? Constructs. Constructs and also fears because mm. the thing that I mentioned about therapists, uh, it's, I'm sure it comes to mind and some people are like, I'm not sure about it because mm. like when self-interest is involved, it's a little, it's a, it's a little tricky and it's... I think yeah. the self-interest things that something that comes up for now is in our sharing circles and through my own journey. Um, in Buddhism, they say we, we, we don't have a depend, you know, an independent self that doesn't exist, that the arising of us being is dependent on causative factors. And, and, um, and so when we exist in these communities and our existence is dependent upon, upon others and upon nature, then our context expands. Nietzsche said it best when he said, you know, the death of God would have um, profound impact on 20th century humans as they, you know, they moved their meaning-making context from, a, from a, a spiritual to a personal. And that's what we have today. We have people experiencing so uh, massive amounts of loneliness. They may be in a room full of people with their family and they still feel super alone. They start to, it gives rise to this free-floating anxiety around you know what's wrong with me? They may ch they may challenge their own identity, their sexuality, all sorts of things. There's this confusion, and maybe what's speaking to there is the disconnection um, and the existential loneliness is there. The the connection to something larger than yourself, and it's paradoxical because we see those connections to something larger than ourselves and and war veterans that have been a part of a a platoon and they, they would die for their brothers. We see it in Buddhists that get the joy and the suffering of, of being there and, and helping the suffering of others. And so something like ayahuasca also brings in those other transpersonal contexts of finding your place in the cosmos, finding your place with people and, and having something that's greater than yourself. And I, I feel that's a super important part of this process here. Yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about this topic of like loneliness because I think that it's a, it's a big problem right now. Mm -hmm. And what we do here, we try and address both connection to mm -hmm. the group and also connection to the, to the higher yeah. whatever it is for you. And uh, basically, this is why people are so full and so connected when they leave here because they felt what they haven't felt for a long time. But to a, to a larger extent in the future, as you know, and some listeners might have already heard about it, our plan is to create a community and maybe mm. even several. But the idea is you can come and how therapeutic is just a night by the fire with the hot drink and a good deep conversation. Like uh, ayahuasca aside. Oh my, again, my smile, like it's enlivening, it's enriching, it's soul food. Uh, and every night here has been that. The, the journeying um, on ayahuasca has been profound and as profound has been the rich connections and uh, the sharing. And, and everyone's trying to find their sangha, their community, that space in which they, they feel seen and heard, they feel valued and, and celebrated. And here what's happening is not just a celebration of people, but a celebration of life, a realizing that our, our space and humanity at the moment is facing difficulty where there's isolation, disconnection, dissociation. And these spaces here, what you're creating here, these seeds of healing and of celebration of life unfolding in each moment is, is beautiful and healing and 
rich and just, I think I used the word um, stupidicious, stupidly delicious. Um, and it's just been such a privilege to, to come here. That's a good work. Uh, that's a good word, stupidicious. <clears throat> Regarding the, the group work, I know you're a fan of Young, and so you, you might know something about the archetypes. Mm -hmm. I have noticed that uh, in, in the past, our groups were, were smaller, uh, 10 to 15 people in the very beginning. And I noticed that when we went to 20, 25 uh, group size, the, um, the word circles and the lessons from the word circles became richer. So it almost felt like it was enhanced which surprised me because a lot of people were worried about larger groups because they, they thought it's going to be less connection because there's more people. And it, it went the opposite way. Mm. Do you think uh, there's something about those, uh, the, like having certain amount of certain archetypes or what do you think about that phenomena? Yeah, I, what comes to mind for me there is intimacy into me see. We can have intimacy one-on-one um, -on -one or in small groups or in our group, 24 people. So the intimacy is like, how willing am I to see into other and how willing am I allowed, how willing am I to allow them to see into me? So when you've got a bit bigger group here, we don't want to say too huge a group, but you go for, from 15 to 20 or 24, you've got more people seeing into you you're being seen more, so the vulnerability's more. We do have these archetypes, you know, whether it's uh, the warrior or the wounded healer, and a lot, of, a lot of people that would come here would possibly be wounded healers, just like us psychotherapists, mm -hmm. wounded healers. I think all these archetypes, you know, they emerge in groups. Um, an archetype, uh, you know, a good way to look at that is kind of like a patterning function. They, they, they pattern the space. They, you know... Um, create a way of things to form and when you've got more archetypes in a space then you've got more inclusion you've got um, the capacity and uh, let me find the word here um, you've got the potential for greater emergence because you've got more included in it so I think that can reach a critical space if it's not held well enough uh, it doesn't surprise me that going from 15 to 24 is yielding better results, more richness. Yeah, it almost feels as if there's um, more people to mirror other people's experience. Yeah. Because maybe they are of a similar archetype and then mm. you learn through others sometimes better than, than you do through yourself. That just speaks to something. In one of the ceremonies, there was someone that for me and some of their expressions wasn't feeling so... Like, I didn't feel integrity in that. And so I could have got pissed off and annoyed at that. But I used that as a mirror. So what's my relationship with my own integrity? And what spaces in my own life am, am I not standing in integrity, even if it's in small places? And so that person was a beautiful mirror to me to, um, to shine light into the unknown spaces in my psyche. And if we can look at everyone as our brother and sister holding a mirror to us, in these group situations, and we have just far more um, information, more uh, understanding, and more knowing of our in our, in our process if we if we take the time to do so. Definitely, and it happened to me as well this week. There was one person that was uh, causing 
negative emotion and I did the same thing. I was like, why am I reacting to this? Yeah. Where am I doing something similar? And there is, if that happens to you on a day-to-day life, if you um, uh, find that some person is really triggering you and really causes a negative emotion, look into what is that they're doing that you might be doing and it will sometimes lead to to a revelation i before starting to work at um at this field of psychedelics when i was doing my soul searching and switching from engineering i did a life coaching course and i i did it thoroughly actually I did part of it in this hammock right right behind us. Uh, it was it was years ago. Uh, I have um, then tried to implement that on some friends of mine, and there was a friend of mine that I practiced a coaching session with him, and I was looking for a breakthrough. And he said he was really annoyed when people were spending too much time on their phones, mm. and we were trying to understand why, and and in the end, uh, it was about himself. Mm. He was not, uh, it was about attention and uh, mm-hmm. basically I, I asked him like, why are you annoyed by people spending so much time on the phones? Because like they could have been doing something better mm. with their lives and then he realized that he does a lot of things that take his attention from things he actually would would be better use of his time yeah. and it was a breakthrough so I was really proud of it and uh, on, that, on that my life coaching journey ended <laughs> <laughs> and I never tried it again but some of it is useful uh, today still in, uh, in my newly found mm-hmm. line of work. That's one of the great things about being here at La Waira, the, the the nature, the peace um, and the people. Being away from my phone, you know, I've, I've turned it on once to during you know, the halfway break just to check in, tell my my family, my friends and my loved ones back home, the people that matter to me. To, actually, cancel, every, to cancel the search party. To cancel the search party, you know, I just want to say actually everyone matters to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I'm still alive. But the being able to disconnect from that concrete jungle and the ways in which we doom scroll, they say if you doom scroll, you'll you scroll until you're doomed. To be away from from all of that, those distractions, and just be here in the beauty, to be like what Blaise Pascal says, the, and excuse the engendered language, the root of all man's miseries is his inability to sit quietly alone in an empty room. You know, just to be able to sit here uh, with people and find the beauty and the peace and the simple and the subtle, hear the subtle winds that blow, um, see the, the richness of the greenery through, um, through the lenses of other people too. It's, it is beautiful and, and that in itself is just healing. Mm. Uh, I have some notes here of what you said uh, in one of the word circle. What is transference, counter-transference and reenactments? Yeah, so clinically um, uh, transference and counter-transference. Transference is when unconscious process say for example in the client maybe for example um, the therapist might you know remind unconsciously the client of their mother or their father that client might then start to act in ways that are similar 
in the ways in which they'd act with their parents, that's then kind of projected onto the therapist, and the therapist, in their own counter-transference, can do a couple of things. They can give the client the same experience that the parents gave them, which is not cool, just reinforces possibly the dysfunction was there. Um, or they can give a reparative experience, they can maybe, if it's the anger that's being transferred or the pain, the therapist can hold that and, um, and give them a reparative experience, like where before if anger came out and they were shut down, the therapist can hold that anger and say, your anger's welcome here. And they can have a new experience that their, their feelings are valid, that their feelings are welcome and they are allowed to feel most of us in the West, especially us men, you know, we're taught to, you know, take um, a concrete pull and harden the fuck up. You know, that's what we're taught. Um, and not to connect with the richness of the feelings of our inner world. So transference and countertransference can be a real space in which we hold um, the new experiences um, or reinforce the old ones if we're not alive to it. Like I know sometimes in sessions, if I'm feeling irritated by a client, I'm going, God, part of me wants to slap this client across the face and just say, wake up. And I'm going, oh, if I catch myself, then um, I can go, oh, what, what are the particles that are landing on me trying to communicate to me? And I can then hold that space differently and going, oh, maybe this client's kind of, you know, communicating to me that... Um, that this is how it's like to be them in the world. This is what it might be like for other people around. This might be the experience that they feel a lot, like that people are irritated by them. Um, and we can give them a new experience that um, that's reparative. It's very valuable because uh, it happens to me a lot as well, <laughs> just because I am this, uh, my role here obviously as a leader, a masculine figure, um, sometimes women project their trauma with men on me mm -hmm. and uh, it's strange for me I don't know how to react a lot of times because I'm like I've never really hurt a woman in my life before so but that that prototype mm. that they have of like a sort of masculine figure might be a pretty bad one so I I generally I, I need to learn how to invite their walk their anger and maybe have some language around that. Well, maybe there's some ways you're already doing that through your music when when they've projected that on you and then you open with your beautiful voice and your music and uh, they can see the softness, the kindness, the love that this man is holding, even though unconsciously they've been projecting this, um, you know, this fear, really what it is, this fear and hurt mm -hmm. upon you, that in some ways you may already be doing that. But to be alive, and we get alive to that process by being in our body, and, and if we're noticing that in other, that irritation, or, um, or even a, a desire to be close to, you know, in both ways, it's just really valuable information around what's this person trying to tell me in between their words? What's the, uh, you know, the, the unnamed known? Um, that's known unconsciously but hasn't been named, yeah. Yeah, this line of work is difficult, working with uh, hurt people, mm. because sometimes hurt people try to hurt people and sometimes you're in a, in a line of attack, but um, definitely ayahuasca makes it easier. Mm. So 
because you you see the change in people and a, lo and a lot of times the change is fast enough so by the end of the retreat they realize what I've done and they actually can ask you for forgiveness I believe in therapy it might take a little longer of what you said yesterday in our closing circle and and this is something I really want to iterate and I loved what you said was that there aren't bad people there are they are hurt there are confused there are suffering people that behave poorly and hurt others but there aren't bad people and I think it's really important for us to hold that when when someone pulls up you know in front of us in traffic mm -hmm. and we want to go fuck you get out of my way that mm -hmm. oh this person in their own confusion in their own pain is acting in a way that you know is causing it to others but it's kind of unconscious in a lot of ways mm -hmm. it allows us to be more compassionate I'm able to do it, but really rarely. But when I can, then it feels extremely empowering. You all of a sudden, you're like, it's, it's almost ego-driven. Like, look at me, look at how <laughs> conscious I am. But yeah. in a way, it is, a, it is the only correct reaction, because, um, I mean, uh, reacting to anger with anger is, is not going to help. It's putting more oil into the fire. Well, there's a beauty in it, the flaws of being human. Uh, you know, I notice times when I screw up with my clients, um, with my daughter, with my with my parents, with my friends, and my partners. You know, like, uh, but you know, it also gives us the opportunity to reflect and how how can we be kinder, more compassionate? You know, we can always open our minds wider and deepen our hearts, deepen, you know, deeper, uh, and that's something that you know I really stand by. It's feels like a life purpose that there's no end to that and that's the beautiful thing about being alive like what you're doing here there's no end to what you're creating here the lives that you can touch and and heal yeah thank you Simon um, so you you sound like a media persona, but I don't think you are one. Do you have uh, any YouTube channels or...? Um, I've got one that's just starting. It's mm -hmm. called uh, Deep Feeling, uh, and that's going to be being populated. Uh, I was starting to do that, but when I got the call to do ayahuasca, I was like, actually, I'm just going to hold off for that because I feel there's going to be some profound stuff there, uh, which there has been, so it's going to change the few of my views on certain mm -hmm. thinkings uh, so there will there's going to be a website and a YouTube channel just where I sit down and talk with people and uh, I'm really passionate about feelings and helping especially men um, people really connect with feelings because feelings aren't thoughts mm -hmm. they're felt in the body uh, and you know in the West we, we rush to make the meaning bring the words to it as opposed to be with the the wave, the physicality of feelings, the the sensations, the motor response, even the imaginal, like when you're angry, there might be the enlivening energy in the body that mm -hmm. comes up, um, the felt experience, and there might be the motor response, like I want to go and hit something or punch a wall. Not that that's usually a great idea. And then there might be the imaginal space, feeling like a volcano. We often bypass all that, so I really want to help people to connect with feelings more and also find their inner home, that space that people were, were speaking about when they, they were sharing that they found love for themselves uh, for the first time. And maybe what they're speaking to is they found love to something greater than themselves as well. 
so that's the kind of space that I'm wanting to uh, become more alive to and um, talk about more through through a YouTube channel and a website. Well, let's assume the by the time listeners listen to that, the website is up and the channel is up. What what are the the, the channel is Deep Feelings? Uh, deep dot feeling. Um, mm-hmm. That's just the YouTube channel and um, and then Deep Feeling dot NZ mm-hmm. um, is the is going to be the website. Yeah. Okay. We'll uh, try and add that to the show notes mm-hmm. as well. So, Simon, it was amazing speaking to you, very fascinating. I'm uh, extremely proud of you and anyone who does an 18-day retreat because it, it, is a, it, is a hard, it is a hard work. Lots yeah. of it is beautiful, but don't, um, don't be um, uh, confused. It, it, is, it does require a lot of work, just like all good things in life. So, <clears throat> Simon, thank you so much for the conversation, the lessons. I'm sure people will enjoy it a lot. Thank you, Sam. I just want to um, hand on heart here and just say my profound gratitude for what you've created here, um, the people that you've got involved, the vision, and just the beautiful healing space that's been here. 18 days is no walk in the park. It is not full of rainbows and unicorns sometimes, but it's also f- filled with depth and breadth and width. Um, so I'm super grateful. Uh, and this has changed... Um, one of my friends, who's very, I'm very close to, she said, I look really forward to seeing what rearrangement of atoms Simon comes back as. And so the rearrangement that's happened here is not just happening in this lifetime, but the lifetimes to come. So thank you. Thank you, Simon. Guys, you have been listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Uh, as always, your host, Sam Believe, and we've been joined today by Simon. What's your surname? Tennant. Simon Tennant. Um... Please uh, give a like to this podcast on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this and follow us or subscribe to us on that same platform as well. Leave us a review. It really helps us. The world deserves to know about ayahuasca, about plant medicines, about conscious use of plant medicines and um, the psychedelic renaissance that's happening. Thank you for listening. Cura con la guaira, limpia, limpia. T-